Dr. Anissa Gaskins is a licensed medical psychologist with 18 years of combined clinical and research experience, assessing treating and designing and implementing research for adults, children, adolescents, and families. We discussed vaccinations in the black and other minoritized communities. There's been a lot of discussion about hesitancy in the black community, but her point is it's more of an access issue than a hesitancy issue. We discussed some ways in which we could use existing infrastructure to improve access. We also then discussed how to address hesitancy when we encounter it. And not surprisingly, consistent with what we've discussed in past episodes, it's about treating the patient as an individual with respect and empathy. More surprisingly, we should admit we have an agenda. Dr. Gaskins received her doctorate in medical clinical psychology and a master of science in public health from the University of Alabama in Birmingham. She completed her pre-doctoral residency in behavioral medicine and a postdoctoral fellowship in developmental pediatrics at the Warren Albert Medical School of Brown University. Dr. Gaskins has worked full-time for the past seven years in private practice, working with diverse adults, children, and families. She works specifically with patients presenting with concerns about identity and equity, anxiety, depression, health behavior, parenting, and stress management, including coping with racism, sexism, and stigma. She previously was an NIH-funded principal investigator and academic faculty member prior to transitioning into private practice. Her research focused on understanding and developing individual and socio-ecological treatments for healthy lifestyle behaviors, including among marginalized and minoritized populations. She was the recipient of a faculty Fulbright Teaching Fellow at Lund University in Sweden and a National Academy of Sciences Ford Foundation Predoctoral Fellowship, among other awards and honors. And like many clinicians, Dr. Gaskins has navigated the impacts and the nuances of the current pandemic, including vaccination, with her diverse patient population. Welcome to the Physician's Guide to Doctoring, a practical guide for practicing physicians. Dr. Bradley Block interviews experts in and out of medicine to find out everything we should have been learning while we were memorizing Krebs cycle. The ideas expressed on this podcast are those of the interviewer and interviewee and do not represent those of their respective employers. And now, here's Dr. Bradley Block. Contract Diagnostics is a firm 100% dedicated to physician contract reviews. They provide a service that all physician families will need at least one time in their careers, most likely a few additional times as well. I love this company as they've helped over 10,000 physicians understand not only what they're signing, but what risks they're taking for their family. All contracts are reviewed by an in-house attorney and presented in a simplified way back to you using custom documentation, compensation data, and times outside normal business hours. They make it easy for you. Don't need a contract reviewed? They can even just consult you on the fairness of your current compensation structure or your contract renewal. All packages are flat priced, so you know what you'll pay up front. Residents and fellows can even make interest-free payments over time. So look them up at drpodcastnetwork.com slash contract diagnostics or call 888-574-5526 or info at contractdiagnostics.com. Dr. Anissa Gaskins, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Brad. So the communities that have been hit hardest by the coronavirus have been the Black, Latinx, and Native American communities. Mm-hmm. So if there's a push to give greater access to the vaccine to those communities, could this be misperceived? Could this be perceived as experimentation and then cause less enrollment? I mean, I've heard some 
trepidation there. So how can we give greater access without it backfiring on us? That's a good question. I think there's always the risk of uh, people misperceiving things, but that doesn't necessarily fairly correlate with what people actually do, right? So there's always going to be this hesitancy for new novel things for most people. Um, and in the Black community um, in particular, and Latinx community and Native American community, there is this history of mistrust. But in the Black community in particular, research has been done successfully with medical interventions over decades. So it's just a matter of using the infrastructure we use currently to reach underserved, marginalized populations and use those current methods like, you know, the local community and uh, recruitment to convince people that this is okay. And similar to every other population, probably start off as a trickle. There's enough people that are interested that if you get the line going, more people are going to be interested. Yeah, I I, I agree. Vaccination breeds vaccination, right? Mm -hmm. Like at the beginning, there was just access to the healthcare workers, right? There might have been some trepidation among even some healthcare workers, but now that we've vaccinated, or we've, at, at time of recording, 100 million doses have been given. And right. so now you had some people that were on the fence that really didn't necessarily even need convincing. They just, yeah, they didn't want to be at the beginning, but now they exactly. hear a number 100 million, they're not at the beginning. And then they're, so so the more people, then, then that 200 million number hits. Right. Now suddenly even more people that were on the fence are no longer on the fence. And then, so so vaccination breeds vaccination. So there was something that you mentioned uh, that I want to touch on for a second, that there there have been actual, you know, there, experiments involving Black patients, right? Right. So, but we're not talking about nefarious ones. We're talking about like right. genuine experiments, Actually, right? Okay. Yeah. So the completion of the Moderna vaccine trial was actually delayed because mm-hmm. of a lack of minoritized participants, right? Right, right. So how can researchers recruit patients from these communities more successfully, right? What should have Moderna done differently? Now, you know, I don't think either of us are privy to exactly how they did it, but, right. you know, if you were in charge of the Moderna trial, how could you make sure that everything gets done on time without this issue becoming an issue? I think the tricky thing for Moderna happens to coincide with a lack of the known infrastructure that we have used for national research, right? So normally there's a big trust in the CDC, right? And the NIH and and all these different government agencies that have done community uh, research, right? We have National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey. We have Behavioral Risk Factor Surveillance. These have been done over decades in minoritized populations. I think if we could use these tried and true large epidemiological studies, their protocols, the infrastructures that they've already set up, their mobile networks that they use to contact minoritized participants, we could have been more successful even with Moderna. Unfortunately, we don't have access to what exactly did Moderna do to recruit minoritized participants, but we do know that previous national surveys and national research have over-recruited minoritized participants successfully. So it's definitely been done before. Okay, so it's unclear what they did wrong. It's just there's, it's been done and it's been done many times before. Use the infrastructure that's that's already there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So how would you have liked to see the vaccines rolled out? 
if you were if you were in charge, what would you have done differently? Because the vaccination breeds vaccination. Right. So how do we improve access? I how do we get them in an equitable way? In an equitable way, if we want to convince people that we're interested in addressing their concerns, we actually have to address the people that are at highest risk. So I think we did a great job of accessing or attempting to try to convey to the elderly population across different states that we think you should be first, right? Technology-wise, not so much, right? We set up all the technology for elderly people to have access. As you already know, elderly people aren't the most technologically capable population. So that's holds true for minoritized populations who don't have access to a lot of the technology. So if we're going to create equitable access, we have to reach those populations in the ways that they can be accessed, right? So set up community centers, right? Talk to the community agencies like we do often with, say, flu vaccinations, right? We set up vaccinations in the local schools and local churches and not just perhaps just the, the CVS or the stadium that's you know, 20 or 30 miles away and you have to get there by bus where you can't get there at all. We make sure that it's easy because like any kind of thing that we want people to uptake in general, whether or not they're minoritized or marginalized or, you know, not of any of those characteristics, we want to make sure it's easy for them to do. Like it's just as easy as them looking up and it's around the corner because then they can tell their friends, oh, it's not so bad. Just go around the corner, go get your shot because that's how people talk. So I would like to, as other people have said, I would have contacted the local communities and made vaccines accessible via those communities and then actually probably engage more telephone outreach because a lot of people have phones, but a lot of people don't have access to the internet, right? People do this all the time. We get these phone calls from random people when, when we want to do voting. We rely on kind of door-to-door grassroots. I know we're in a pandemic, but we still have mobile vans that we could use to potentially kind of kind of park vans in neighborhoods, right? To say here we have these COVID vaccine mobile bus, right? We do that for research, right? For national surveys. So then we could also utilize those same strategies to make people feel like they're actually being paid attention to. So in the same way that we mobilize people for an election, right? If you can phone bank to get people out to vote, you can get some people to sit in a phone bank and call the highest risk patients to see if they want to and meet them where they are. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Rather than creating a bunch of online resources that don't even interface with each other, right? I think mm-hmm. like the uh, one of the problems that we're having here in New York is that people are signing up to the, get the vaccine and then they keep on trying and trying and trying to get an earlier spot. They get the earlier spot, but they don't cancel their later spot. So right. they've got all these vaccination centers that, are, that aren't giving out vaccine because their spots are filled, but people aren't coming. Right. Right. So a, a large, uh, it would have been better to have one database, a statewide database, right? It doesn't need to be a federal database, but a statewide right. database because it's being run by the states that you can sign up on or have these phone banks reaching out to the highest risk people. Right. Yeah. That wouldn't have been, um, that wouldn't have been that, that hard to do. I don't, you know, I don't have an, uh, 
I don't know how you would finance something like that, but you know, given that this is a, the worst pandemic in a hundred years, you know, you can find the money. You can. If it's that important. You can find the money. Right, and they have found money. Right. I mean, I mean, we all saw, you know, with the, all the bumps in the road around kind of the inauguration, there was outreach. We need money for this. You guys send a dollar, send five dollars. Whenever there's an election, we get pinched left and right for send us this, send us that, and they raise millions and billions of dollars for an elections. So I'm thinking, well, if we can do that for an election, we can do that to get people vaccinated, right? Yeah. You want to get the economy moving to get people vaccinated and, get people and they can vaccinated. get out of their house and start spending money again. Exactly. I'll tell you, yeah. So within each community, right? There are different demographics within each community and we tend to think of the black community as monolithic, right? right. That's right. that's how it's portrayed in the media, right? It's the black community right. as if there's one way of thinking. So how do we, with our outreach efforts, how do we respect and address the differences when we're rolling out something on such a massive level like this? Or does it even matter if we're just, you know, meeting people where we are? Uh, you know, if we're just doing something like calling someone on the phone, right? Uh, d- does it does does the differences in communities actually make a difference? Um, yes, it does make a difference. As you may have experienced, communities can be very community centric. They want to know that somebody within their community gets it, right? Somebody within their community is on board with this, right? So it matters that you address specific communities. So every state, we've been doing geomapping for I don't know how long. Every state has an understanding of all those different communities when they need to reach them. So we need to understand what are the centers, what are the already, what are the centers and services already in the community and try to see if we can interact with those centers, community centers, churches, schools, what have you, to then try, like I said earlier, establish some sort of vaccine clinic, right? With regularity. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 So let's say all of this hopefully does happen, right? Mm -hmm. And we're getting our communities uh, vaccinated. The numbers are coming up. The vaccinated patients are influencing the unvaccinated patients. So we're getting even more people vaccinated. There are eventually going to be some holdouts, right? There are going to be some some fence sitters that even when it's massively available, lots of people have gotten it. There's just, there are some holdouts. Right. Are there any, and- let me know if this this is not something you'd be comfortable talking about. But have have you noticed any concerns among among your patients about the vaccines? And if so, you know how do you tend to respond? I have noticed um, hesitancy amongst my patients about the vaccine, and I listen. I listen to the stories they tell, and it's usually there's an involved story about how so and so said this happened to them when they got the vaccine. Or so-and-so say, don't take the vaccine because of this reason, and I'm going to wait. There's the concern about it being new for a lot of people, right? What I'm finding is, amongst my patients, it has largely to do still with when the time comes for it to be their turn, what they do. So a lot of people say, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. I'm scared. I'm going to wait, right? Because I was even concerned initially 
And then my time came. And it was like, oh, by the time my time came, it doesn't matter. Or millions of people have already been vaccinated. So then it's like, well, see, millions of people around the world have already been vaccinated. We're in a pandemic. There's a shortage. And as you know, a shortage breeds kind of like, uh, uh, scarcity. I need to get on this. Yes. <laughs> scarcity right? principle used in sales. One time only, Labor Day sale. <laughs> Tomorrow, you're not going to get it for the same price. Yes. Right. And so my time came. I went and got my shot. I did what, you know, a lot of us do. I read the ingredients. I read up on what each one of the different vaccines contained. I convey my experience to my patients. They can relate to that. I talk about, of course, right? We're all a little bit concerned about novelty, but when I compare that to previous vaccine, I'm not vaccine hesitant about any other vaccines. I'm more concerned with this because I don't, it's not familiar to me. But then when I read the ingredients, it's like, oh, it has everything that all the other vaccines have in them, except for this new technology, which is a bit of genetic code. And when I say that to my patients, they're like, oh, oh, okay. Well, that doesn't. And so oftentimes what I end up saying for them when they're hesitant, they kind of they kind of get this. They're listening to you, right? They're listening to your story because they, they feel like you've heard them when you actually tell them that you've actually been scared, right? Yeah. And that you went ahead and went through it or that you're going to go ahead and do it. When they hear that, they say, they listen. And I say, and so if you have the opportunity and it becomes available, you should get vaccinated. And they do, They right? They, they agree. Like I've had patients say to me, you know, I feel like there's a lot of confusion that I keep hearing. And when I come to my therapy, I feel like I get more of a straight answer from you regarding what's actually out there. Because I just talk about, you know, the different brands and what the difference is between the different ones. And for the most part, take whatever you could get, because that's going to be a heck of a lot better than you catching coronavirus. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's actually what I've been saying to my patients is... Um, the, you know, because I think they think of it in terms of should I get vaccinated or should I not get vaccinated? And I, I say, but it's not happening in a vacuum. Should you get vaccinated so that when you encounter the virus, which you inevitably will, right. you have had the vaccine? Or should you not get vaccinated so that when you encounter the virus, you do not have the vaccine? So you, you, you do not have the, the immunity to it. So would you rather encounter the virus with immunity or encounter the virus without immunity. That's the yeah. decision that they're making. Um, you know, it sometimes helps them to, 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 to think of it a little differently because they're just thinking of it in terms of should I or shouldn't I. Um, but yeah, the relatability of, of saying that you were nervous. Yes. And I, I do the same thing because I was, right? Yes, like yes. it was, I was at the very beginning as a, a healthcare worker that works in people's faces. Like I can't right. examine them without them <laughs> taking their masks off. So, right. um, and they're coming to see me because they're coughing. Like they're coming to see me because of their sore throat. So, so I was, uh, you know, among the first. And so, you know, I was definitely nervous being among the first. And I, I've found the same thing. If I share with them my trepidation, now suddenly I'm more identifiable. I'm more, yep. they, can, they can identify with me. Yes. Um, so, Back to discussing those specifically minoritized populations as mm -hmm. a white physician. Mm -hmm. How do I best go about discussing hesitations that my minoritized patients might have, right? In a system that's betrayed their trust over and over again, mm -hmm. how do I work towards building that trust? 
I, I hear you. I would encourage um, non-minoritized um, providers to look at the individual patient, right? Because um, we all come in with different experiences and perceptions of our minoritized status, right? And ask them, how do you feel about getting vaccinated? And, and be as transparent as possible. As you know, I'm here to convince you, right? <laughs> Really? Really? I wouldn't think I wouldn't think that having my uh, wearing my agenda on my sleeve uh, would be would be a good idea. But really? Yes. Yes. Wear your agenda on your sleeve because they already think you have an agenda anyway. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So you might as well put it out there and see what they think. And they might actually kind of sit back a little bit because you've actually acknowledged what they already thought. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 So. So when you say that, it kind of lightens things up anyway, because they, they probably weren't expecting you to say that, yeah. right? But then you kind of pull back. I'm here to convince you, but not to pressure you. So if I don't convince you, I don't convince you. You obviously have to make this decision for yourself. But I just wanted to hear how you feel. And they might say, I'm gung-ho, right? I'm waiting for my vaccine, but I can't get access. And I suspect that's what you'll hear from a lot of people. And then there'll be some people like, I don't know, I heard that so-and-so, you know, that Hank Aaron guy, he died of the, you know, or this happened. And you say, I hear you. And that sounds pretty scary, right? I know I would be scared if I heard that that had happened and then it got linked to the vaccine. And I just want to tell you what I have heard regarding, you know, vaccination uh, in the Black community. Can you tell them what you've heard? Does that make sense? And hopefully that'll, you know. Sorry, up until then, it sounds like the conversation wasn't tailored to the fact that it's someone coming from a specific community. Like up until then, it was just, I'm going to tell you what my experience was. I'm going to listen to what your concerns are, which is for any patient. Exactly. Right. But now, should we go down that path of like... It depends on, it's like a decision tree. Okay. So if they identify it in that way, so if they start talking about what, if they bring up minoritized issues, then you bring up your understanding of vaccination and experiences you as a professional. Does that make sense? Okay. So, you, so I shouldn't first start out saying, but let me tell you something about the black community, right? No, <laughs> that, that, right, shouldn't, right. That, yes. that shouldn't be yes. my... <laughs> Lead ever, because you just don't know how people identify. Yeah, 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 right? yeah. yeah. Well, right. If, if that's their concern, then address their concern. If they don't verbalize that concern, then don't bring it up. Don't bring it up, right? Yeah. Okay. Because even still, even as a non-minoritized clinician, people still see you as the professional and the expert, right? So they're going to take your word for a lot of different things. So if you say, um, I think you should do this and I think you should do that. And by the way, how is the COVID vaccination process going for you? And they say, you know, I'm a little scared. And you say, well, tell me about that. Well, you know, I heard this and I heard that. And they don't bring up any racial stuff. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go there because that's not what they're talking about. Even though they are minoritized, I wouldn't necessarily bring it there if that's not what they're talking about. So if they talk about access issues, then you say, yes, I've heard about access issues. Let's tell me more about your 
particular concern. And let me see if I can find a way to address that, right? Hopefully I can. And if not, we'll just kind of keep going at it and trying to figure out how we can get you vaccinated. But if they say, I'm scared, I'm never, ever getting the vaccine. A lot of times when I hear that, I just listen and then finish letting them tell their story. And I'm not so sure I'm going to convince them of anything. So then I say, okay, I hear you. And I, I mean, sounds like you've had this particular experience and nobody's going to convince you. They say, nope, 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 nope. I hear you. I'll just tell you a little bit, a little bit about what I've heard. And then we're done. Because as you know, I, as your healthcare provider, <laughs> I'm going to try to make sure you're as healthy as possible. And one of the things that, you know, is part of being healthy is making sure that you can get vaccinated if you're comfortable. Well, the, you know, the, 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 the ones that are so staunchly opposed, you're not going to convince them in one mm-hmm. visit and then you'll end up making, you'll end up losing them as a patient. Exactly. Um, if you, if you create that type of friction, but if you just listen to their concerns in a genuine and empathetic way, what you might do is you might nudge them a little bit and then just make the next clinician's bit. job a little bit easier and you might get them there. So as long as in those patients, I think the goal is not be to get them to agree to be vaccinated, but get them to be just continue having a relationship, a, a trusting relationship with you and get them to have just maybe a little more faith in the system as a whole because they've had a positive interaction with you. And that's your win. That's yes. your victory. That's how you leave the, the the visit feeling fulfilled and not dejected and discouraged. Exactly. Right. I mean, with all of this, your goal, as you've mentioned a few times, is to maintain rapport. And so with all your patients, whether they're minoritized or not, your goal is to pay attention to the, the cues that they're giving off. Like if they start sitting back, even if they're still talking, right? Or they start to kind of fold their arms and maybe it doesn't mean any of that. But you might ask them, is everything okay? Right? How are you doing? And if they feel comfortable, say, I don't know about this, you know, vaccine situation. Or I do want to do it. I just, I'm worried because I, I can't get vaccinated, right? We just, we just don't know what they're going to present with. The vast majority of people do want to get vaccinated, I believe, from what I've seen. And even those ones who are on the fence, it, there's a, it's a different story when it's sitting in your face, right? When there's a, a vaccine vaccination opportunity available and you say, there's this appointment um, we happen to have, right? Or you happen to know of, then people, people, even if they say they don't want to do it or they're scared, a lot of people just do it anyway because it's, it's accessible. Take away some of the concerns about hesitancy in their mind when you actually make it a reality. Yeah. Is there anything else that you would like our physician audience to know either about, you know, if, if there happens to be someone who's listening who's in public health or for the for most of us who aren't giving out the vaccine but are just discussing it with our patients. Any any pointers or tips uh yeah for the audience. I think to your point earlier when we're talking about you know, in general, talking about vaccination, which has become a like a like a lightning rod type of issue, and unfortunately, we have to do a little dance, right, to see how they feel about it. Start off with how they feel about it, and go from there, right. Mostly listen if they'll talk, right, and if they won't talk, um, you say a little bit. Well, you know, here's what I've heard. 
about vaccine and the vaccination process. And uh, hopefully you'll be able to get a vaccine soon if and when it becomes available for you and, and you're comfortable and leave it at that. I would encourage physicians, clinicians of any sort, when you're talking to minoritized populations, not to lead with any assumptions about how they feel or even to just kind of bring up their skin color or talk in this way that you are acknowledging their skin color when they have it, right? Like for example, in black people, now the person is sitting in front of you, maybe black, they haven't brought it up. Then it's just kind of like, um, it feels insincere, right? Because you have, they haven't actually had that conversation. They haven't opened it up for that. So that's why I would lead with, how do you feel about the vaccine? And let them kind of help the narrative along. If they do happen to bring up, right, the history mm-hmm. of yep. mistreatment, yep. how, what direction would you, would you take it? Would you say, well, listen, you know, the NAACP recommends vaccination. Like, do you, do you bring up an, a, a different authority that they might? But then you're also making assumptions about who they, who they view as, an, as, as a legitimate authority. Right. I wouldn't bring up any particular groups that said that, you know, Black people should do this or Indigenous people should do that or Latinx people should do that. If they bring up the history, I would say, you know, you're right. There is this history of experimentation and distrust in the community. If I, having worked with a number of different minoritized populations, I've seen that concern about that. And I've also seen a lot of minoritized people of different you know, classes and backgrounds who have had this vaccine successfully. I would stick with what you know, like even within your own practice, you've had probably other minoritized patients who've gotten vaccinated. And I would use your own data to say, I know of people of different backgrounds who are, you know, in their 60s and 70s and 80s or who are in their 30s or 40s, uh, people who are bus drivers, people who are physicians, people I know of all these different people who've been able to get vaccinated and they're, they got vaccinated a month, two months, three months ago, and they've been as fine as, you know, other non-minoritized populations. I'm only saying that to say to you that there are people who have been able to get this currently who've been okay, right? Not to dismiss, because you want to acknowledge that, not to dismiss your concerns, just to say that there are these other people currently who have also, as you, I imagine, have experienced concerns with how they've been treated in medicine currently and previously, who, you know, they've been vaccinated. So I just wanted to give you that little bit of information to help you decide and not miss out potentially on an opportunity to help you stay healthy because, you know, our medical environment hasn't been the best it's been or could have treated, you know, minoritized people, right? So I just, I just want to put that out there. Great, great. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you taking time out of your out of your evening to come talk to us and educate us, and and hopefully it'll it'll help some of our physician audience to to have more productive conversations with our patients, and hopefully. You know, the more people that get vaccinated, like you said, the more people that get vaccinated, the more people will get vaccinated and hopefully won't need to have many more of these uh, conversations as long as the we can get the access there. So again, thank you so much for your time. I, I really yeah. appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This has been lovely.
This podcast was brought to you by Contract Diagnostics. This is a company that specializes in contract reviews. Specialization is something we can all appreciate here. So again, when you or your family have contract needs, give them a call. Find them at drpodcastnetwork.com slash contract diagnostics or call 888-574-5526 or info at contractdiagnostics.com. That was Dr. Bradley Block at the Physician's Guide to Doctoring. He can be found at physiciansguidetodoctoring.com or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a question for a previous guest or have an idea for a future episode, send a comment on the webpage. Also, please be sure to leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform. We'll see you next time on the Physician's Guide to Doctoring.